0: Welcome to In the Interest of National Security. I'm Professor Ryan Vogel, Director of the Center for National Security Studies at Utah Valley University.
1: And I'm Professor Jonathan Rudd, Associate Director of the Center for National Security Studies. This season, we've been highlighting some of the programs associated with the Center for National Security Studies and the Intermountain Intelligence Industry and Security Consortium,
0: also known as I3SC. Today we're speaking with Mary Kent, the director of I3SC's Open Source Intelligence Center. Mary is a PhD candidate in criminology at the University of Sterling and holds a master's degree in national security and terrorism studies from the American Military University. Mary has worked as an intelligence analyst for the Utah Department of Public Safety, a victim's advocate for the Provo Police Department, and an aviation operations specialist for the U.S. Army. Mary, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Mary, could you give us a brief overview of your career and how you got interested in open source intelligence?
2: Um, Open source intelligence kind of fell in my lap. I actually was uh, interested in becoming an archaeologist. I wanted to be Indiana Jones. (laughs) And uh, when I discovered a redhead in the sun wasn't exactly the best career choice, (laughs) I, uh, I started... Um, Working smaller jobs at UVU and kind of moving my way up until I became an academic advisor for the UVU Fire Academy. And having worked with public servants like police officers and uh, firefighters, I realized I had a real passion for helping those who helped others, essentially. Once I left the fire academy and got a job as a victim's advocate with the Provo Police Department, that's when I really understood the nature of open source and its role in criminal investigations. That's when my interest really grew. From there, that's when I went to the Utah Statewide Information and Analysis Center and became an open source analyst.
1: And that Utah Statewide Information Analysis Center is the fusion center, for Utah, correct? Correct. Can you just give a brief explanation of what SIAC is, what a fusion center does?
2: Sure. After 9 11, uh, fusion centers were created to be a central point of information gathering and intelligence distribution throughout uh, different states in the U.S. So if you imagine the SIAC as a wheel with a center and spokes coming out of it. The center of that wheel is the SIAC. The spokes would be the different law enforcement and civilian agencies that uh, have criminal information or can collect information on threats to the state, threats to government, whether it be federal, uh, state, or local. So the SIAC receives information, evaluates that information for any threats against law enforcement, against citizens of the state of Utah, and they provide intelligence back to law enforcement agencies.
1: And can you just give a brief explanation of basically what OSINT is? You were just saying how critical it is to law enforcement and in particular to some of these national security investigations.
2: Right. What people don't realize is they use open source every day. Open source is essentially anything on the internet that is openly available to anyone. So It's not circumventing passwords. It's not hacking into accounts. It's not stealing information to get access to private information or private databases. It's the things that we are able to access on a daily basis with anything as simple as a Google search. So when we post something on social media, on a publicly available account, that information will be posted on that social media page, but it can also be spread across the Internet, for all we know. That information is open source.
1: During my career in the FBI, it was fascinating to watch how investigations somewhat changed. Um, Mm -hmm. And and what I noted was towards the end of my career, really the first step almost in any investigation is to just start looking at the open source information to find out what you can about the target.
2: Exactly. The Internet has... um, really revolutionized the way we conduct investigations and the way criminals conduct their operations. it is used for sales, advertisement, recruitment and we've had to adapt our skills and our techniques to keep up with that
0: some of our listeners might be thinking well oh, that sounds like obvious you know that stuff would be on the internet or in newspapers or on TV um, and yet as Jonathan says, um, You know, this is something that the federal government, that, you know, local state governments, even private companies are using uh, with greater, I think, focus than ever before. Why do you think that is? And and, and also, why do you think that it still requires a skill set to be able to really cull and understand and analyze that information?
2: Well, for example, social media has created... Its own language. We we have nowadays memes, gifs, emojis, um, slang, and terms that are used on social media only, and we have to be able to understand how all of those fit within the criminal operation. For example, if we have a narcotics network, we have to understand which emojis are used to indicate the type of drug, the potency of the drug, uh, delivery methods, things like that, and so. Online communication has become a language of its own and that rapidly changes over time. Just as technology rapidly advances, so does our use of technology and the different terminology and images we use to indicate different criminal activities.
0: It's fascinating. So turning now to what you're doing um, here at UVU and for I3SC, you're the director of the Open Source Intelligence Center, what does what the intelligence center do, the Open Source Intelligence Center, um, and uh, what's your purpose as an organization?
2: Our main focus is to help prepare our future law enforcement, future intelligence analysts, and federal, state, or local workers to understand what open source is and how to utilize it to protect citizens from different threats. So we take students who have applied to the program, and we train them over two semesters to become open source intelligence analysts. So all the skills I learned as an analyst, I will be training them to utilize as well. That is searching the internet for information on criminal suspects. That is learning the language of social media to understand what's being said and what kind of information needs to be collected for safety's sake. These students will simultaneously be serving as interns at local law enforcement agencies across the state. These agencies partner with us to help train these students on how to use open source in investigations. Once they leave this program, they will hopefully have experience on their resume that no one else would be able to obtain without a program such as this, thereby giving them a leg up in different careers that they are pursuing, whether that be with a local police department or becoming an agent with a federal agency.
0: In a prior episode, we talked to your counterpart, Brandon Omaker, who's leading the Emerging Tech Policy Lab. Um, and one of the things that they did is they they would produce reports or other products that would be usable by um, small businesses or municipal governments or things like that, in addition to the training and other Um, uh, uh, services that you provide for the local community, are you also producing those kinds of um, products that are usable by, um, again, both public and private entities?
2: Yes, we are. Um, One of the projects we're looking at is training different private businesses on how to identify scams. So researching businesses to ensure they are legitimate businesses and the individuals running them are actually proposing legitimate partnerships. We are also going out and training all the law enforcement agencies in the state who have requested our services to essentially do the same thing that our students are doing, utilizing the same skills and using open source for intelligence investigations. We have a product that we send out twice a month that discusses new techniques in open source investigations. And we have been distributing that to law enforcement for probably the past three months now Mm -hmm. so that they're consistently getting updates on new investigative techniques. Wow,
0: that's great. You know, it's
1: interesting at UVU, we really pride ourselves on engaged learning. And this seems like the ideal case of engaged learning for these students. So aside from just learning the techniques and, and and giving them the skills needed to do intelligence analysis. What other opportunities are there for students within the program?
2: We've actually had several opportunities come up with our um, students over the summer. I encourage them to participate in different activities with the police departments they're with. We have done different jail tours with uh, county sheriff's offices. They've been offered the opportunity to do surveillance with different agencies. They will eventually take over the open source training for the agencies that they intern for. They will also be responsible for conducting briefings for intelligence that they have been able to obtain from open sources. So they are encouraged to participate in ride-alongs, conferences, trainings, anything that these departments will allow them to do. In fact, we've got a couple of students who will be attending um, a Utah gang conference this week.
1: Oh, great.
0: Mary, in your distinguished career, you've also focused on organized crime and human trafficking. How is OSINT used in your work on those issues?
2: With organized crime and human trafficking, obviously before the internet, the communications were different. The... um, places that individuals met up to to make criminal purchases or to conduct crimes that was physical. Now with the Internet, organized crimes such as fraud or um, other financial scams, it's all occurring online. With human trafficking, you have the sale of individuals, the advertisement of these sexual services occurring online. So open sources are used to... Attempt to track individuals who are advertising for sexual services online to determine where these services are, are being offered. And that way, essentially using the criminal's own information they post online against them. If they're going to use the internet to advertise, organize, sell, we're going to use that exact same information to figure out what they're advertising, where they're selling, how they're selling it. So it's the same techniques that a criminal would use. We're just attempting to use it against them.
0: Mary, given the the nature of the work, it seems like there'd be a wide range of of students and student backgrounds that um, that come into your center. Uh, w- what kind of students do you draw into OSIC, and and how do you utilize their varied backgrounds?
2: Well, obviously, we're going to draw students from uh, criminal justice studies, national security studies, but we also have students from different backgrounds such as legal, one of our our students wants to be a lawyer, another student would like to focus on uh, animal abuse and how we can um, disrupt those types of, of criminal operations. Honestly, open source can be adapted to many different career fields, whether you are going into banking or becoming a police officer, open source is a must for both of those things. Um, it's a must for individuals who simply use the Internet for personal use to understand how information is shared and can be used against you. Um, I know in Utah we have big issues with um, fraud against the elderly. Um, I'm hoping that these varied students will not only take this information for their future careers, but also take it home with them to, to their families and their circles of influence. Um To me, whether a student is going to become a federal agent or an immigration attorney, I feel that the importance of open source, what it is, how it is used for the benefit of others and to the detriment of others is something we should all understand.
0: Yeah. To your point, I think... Most people think, when they think of open source intelligence, they think of uh, public service, they think of investigations and intelligence work, but um, this is one of the highest growing private sector areas of emphasis as well as businesses uh, understand that they need to keep updated on what's happening, the threats, the challenges that emerged um, that they're confronting. This is an area that I'm sure your students will have lots of job opportunities coming out of out of your program as they graduate.
2: I I hope so as well. I know our uh, law enforcement partners in the state are really excited. Some of them have asked for all of our interns to work for them, uh, but many have asked for two or more To assist their agency so there is a need out there and the students are really excited to fill that need
1: well it's definitely a valuable skill both personally and professionally so i think this this work is great mary thank you for your time best of luck with your work at the open source intelligence center and we look forward to having you back on the podcast to highlight some of the results of the the work that you've been doing
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
1: This has been another episode of In the Interest of National Security. Our guest has been Mary Kent, Director of the Open Source Intelligence Center at UVU. The views expressed on this show are those of the host or our guest, and not necessarily Utah Valley University or the Center for National Security Studies. Today's episode was produced by Taylan Peterson, Baxter Elwood, Dylan Marley, Nathan Griffith, and Joshua Coyman. And our theme music was produced by Parker Rudd. Follow us on Instagram at iins.podcast to receive news and updates regarding future content. You can also join us by subscribing at Spotify or iTunes and become part of this growing community. Thanks for listening. We look forward to having you join us next time for another episode of In the Interest of National Security.